0: Welcome to Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Cogill. Today, a conversation about two new films. Disney's family remake of Pete's Dragon, where the boy meets the dragon, and Haley and I are getting teary-eyed after about the first 15 minutes. And the most celebrated actress of our time, Meryl Streep, takes on Florence Foster Jenkins, a real-life New York socialite and amateur singer who sold out Carnegie Hall back in the 1940s. And there's one big problem. She can't sing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> At all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill. These were both very fun for me to pair this week, as within minutes of watching both of these films, I knew the ideal wines to pair, including a puppy-loving, premium-quality Napa Valley Cab and one of the most celebrated champagnes in the world.
0: Wow, a puppy-loving, premium-quality Napa Valley I can't wait to get there. Yeah. Well, we're going to get there by talking about Peach Dragon. So, the original Peach Dragon was back in 1977. I remember seeing that film... I was probably a teenager. No, I was probably out of my teenage (laughs) days. But I remember seeing Helen Reddy and uh, the late Mickey Rooney, uh, Jim Dale, who's a big Broadway performer, the late Red Buttons and Jeff Conway, <laughs> who's Jeff Kinnicky. Conway, Kamiki from Greece, <laughs> and the late great Shelley Winters, and it was a musical. It was so it was live action and it was animated, both you know it was a combination of the two, and and it was kind of fun. I don't ever remember Pete's Dragon being one of the greatest Disney movies ever made, but sure it, it worked and yeah. it was very popular and did some stuff. So along comes this remake, and I was kind of curious about it, and we went to see it together the other night, and. You know, we know we're seeing a family film. We know we're seeing a Disney film. We know it's not edgy. And all of a sudden, this little boy in the opening scene, there's, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but there's a very tragic accident that happens, and he's stranded in the forest. We don't know where they are. Are they in Alberta, Canada? Are they in—I out of Seattle? Yeah. You know, they're somewhere in America, but it's obviously shot in Canada. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, uh, Wyoming. Yeah, and then it flash-forwards, what, six, six years, years later?
1: Yeah.
0: And the boy's been raised, because he was rescued... By a dragon,
1: by a precious,
0: by a dragon, and here's a
1: green dragon.
0: And 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 the little boy's really good, and the dragon's name is Elliot, and it's pretty magical. I I'm I'm going to say 15 minutes into it, you and I both looked at each other, and I'm seeing you getting teary-eyed, and I'm trying to act like I'm not teary-eyed <laughs> because I'm kind of into this. And of course, she, they find the little boy. Uh, Robert Redford uh, plays a woodcarver who's the only person I guess that's ever seen a dragon. Nobody believes him. And then the little boy uh, gets rescued by Bryce Dallas Howard, which is Ron Howard's daughter. Yes. Why was she named Bryce Dallas Howard? Why was she named Bryce Dallas Howard? Because Day? she, <laughs> because her parents conceived her on a trip to <laughs> Dallas years ago. He's been very outspoken about That's that. That's Great. And so they take the little boy in, who looks like you know he is you know raised by African wolfhounds, and uh, and but he was raised by a dragon, and then and then all it all you see the dragon pretty early in the film, and I don't want to give a whole bunch away because it's it's. It's a family film, and yet it has heart and soul to it. I was really moved by this film.
1: I thought it was one of the. It, it's an interesting film that they that they had to put a lot of of people in mm-hmm. to, I guess, complete the story.
0: Guy from Star Trek's uh, in there. Yeah,
1: Doc from from Star Trek is yeah. in there. But and they're all these. They're all per, prolifer. For per, they're all extras. They're all on the sides. There. I mean, there's not really a. There's not a need for him because the beauty of what this film is, is that relationship between the boy and the dragon. And then all of these humans come in and just try to ruin everything. Right. Including, and I don't think this is given any way, but including ruining the forest, which, you know, is not a new story. But it is a new story because there's a dragon in the forest. They're going to
0: clear cut everything and the dragon's going to rescue us. And I'm going to say there's one scene on a bridge where everything blows up that's just almost, this movie jumps the shark and becomes a really bad movie. And then it gets right back to what it's about. Because if you can move people and you can move families together and you can do it sincerely, Mm -hmm. I think that kind of works. So I'm watching it. And you're getting teary-eyed. Oh, done. So let's get to some wine here because <laughs> it has a lot to do with being teary-eyed.
1: Well, and I think that this this is the beauty of of what I saw in this film and, and why both of us did get very teary-eyed. So um, we're excited to introduce you guys to a new member of the the Kogil family. Our little old man, wise beyond his years. Our dog Yoda. It's a jack shit. Which I think I can say because he's a Jack Russell Shih Tzu. <laughs> yes, you
0: can he's Jack Russell and a Shih Tzu. He
1: um, brings me more joy than even the very best glass of wine, and and he's perfect. And within five minutes of watching this character, watching this dragon, it just remind reminded me so much of that perfect bond between uh, a a man and his dog, between a you know a. a He's my child, he's my furry child, and there's such a sweetness and a sincere love to that that i i j i was i was just done so
0: um, Why? Because the dragon kind of looks like every great pet that you've ever had. He's
1: so sweet. He has and he's The dragon,
0: Elliot the dragon, is great.
1: And and I've never seen a, a dragon with fur. And maybe that's what made me think of Yoda.
0: <laughs> dragon with fur. <laughs> but, he's he's a Furby. Yeah,
1: so, to pair with this very sweet dragon, um, early on when we were dating, uh, Gary gave me a bottle of of wine because the puppy on the label. Reminded him of Yoda, and um, thankfully, in sometimes labels with dogs on or bottles of wine with labels that that have a dog or an animal or a any a frog or there it's bad wine. Thankfully, this is very good wine, and it's Hoops Oakville Cabernet from Napa Valley. Um, the label does have a picture of what Spencer Hoops called the boss, which was his terrier Dante. Um, and and Spencer Hoops was a businessman who turned farmer, who turned vintner, who turned uh, winemaker. Tiny, tiny production has a handful of acres of vineyards in Oakville and Napa Valley and and kind of wanted to celebrate this pr- his precious pup on the label and and then put some really, really, really great juice inside the bottle. Another reason why I love hoops is because there's some pretty... Pretty amazing women behind it. Who um, Spencer's daughter, Lindsay, who's a former assistant DA who prosecuted homicide cases in San Francisco. Really? Like this girl is is not to be messed with. Yeah, she's a brainiac. She, but she also um, she she's doing her her training at UC Davis. She had also been um, she she had been recruited. To work with um, Ernest and Gallo at one point, she was she managed production and supply chains for Pottery Barn throughout Asia. Like she's the real deal. Um, Left that whole world uh, to to go and work with her father, and now is kind of the face of of Hoop's Wine. And their winemaker is also another amazing woman, who's Anne Vauter, who grew up in Walla Walla, makes. Great, great Napa Valley. Cat. I like
0: her already. Yeah,
1: she's and and we've had many of of her wines before. In addition to Hoops, her husband Cameron Vauder is the winemaker for Donna, which is another one of our favorites. So, yes. Um, really, the beauty of what of I think what Hoops does is it just kind of celebrates the simplicity of allowing the vineyard to to do what it does best. So hands off kind of winemaking, and. And you know I don't know if if our our little Yoda has the refinement or the finesse of a good glass of hoops Napa Valley cab but he certainly has all that joy. I
0: remember giving that bottle to you cuz I was yeah. trying to impress you. It, well, you did. Because I I know how much <laughs> you love your dog and and I love I love Yoda too. Yoda's a 900-year-old Jedi master. He's <laughs> wise beyond his years, but he's the most amazing dog. He's, just so he's a, perfect. he's a Jack Russell Shih Tzu and he's he is he is pretty perfect and you know what, I, I, I'm i going back to this movie a little bit because the more I think about the film, the better it gets. And that's something that you can't say about movies that fall apart or, or become bad. Right. Because I, I really think in the grand scheme of what family films are to me in my head, it's hard to articulate what they are, but you know what they are when you see them. Mm. And Disney has just taken it up a notch. They've really done well. And, and it's also um, one of those films, I think it's directed by a Dallas guy. And uh, I think it's David Lowry, And David mm-hmm. Lowry did Eight Them Body Saints uh, mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. and was a big hit at Sundance. Yeah. And now he's, uh, to move from that into Disney, you know, he's got some other projects lined up too. But th- this is a home run for a Dallas guy. Oh, a director yeah. who has been making short films and small micro-budget movies. And all of a sudden, he's directing Pete's Dragon. Yeah. But somebody at Disney knew and saw that in him. And he knew that about himself. And all of a sudden, Lowry, who I think went to Irving High School. Wow. In Texas um, is now I mean he's gonna this is a hit film I think this film will go through the roof of the families
1: my platform is my cuteness
0: my platform is you know our dog is running for president right Right.
1: hashtag my platform is my cuteness (laughs)
0: hashtag My platform, you know, that always works for me. Hey, uh, when we return on Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing, uh, less about dogs and more about multiple Oscar winner, Meryl Streep, who I think does it again in a very fine film directed by Stephen Frears about about the real-life songstress and her name, I can't even say it, Florence Foster Jenkins, and we will be right back. And we're back on A Perfect Pairing. Uh, Both of us are fascinated by the life and times of someone we knew very little about until we saw the film. Her name is Florence Foster Jenkins, uh, starring multiple Oscar winner Meryl Streep. And this is directed by the great Stephen Frears. And Frears did Filmina, that Steve Coogan film with the great Judy Judy Dench. Dench. Mm -hmm. It was nominated for Best Picture that uh, Coogan wrote. Uh, But Frears directed it. But he also did Dangerous Liaisons years ago. But he also did High Fidelity. Which I love. Jack Black, like the, one of the
1: first things I ever saw Jack Black in.
0: That is such a great film. Such a good John film. John Cusack yeah. wrote that film. I think was nominated for an Oscar for writing that film. But he also did The Queen. And I think that's, you know, A Queen is a movie that I, I kind of stop down whenever it comes on. I, I mean,
1: think, he's worked with some some oh, yeah. very impressive women.
0: Yeah, he's a, he's a great director. And he's taken this story, uh, which is uh, really a biographical film about about Florence Foster Jenkins, who... Was a socialite in the 30s and the 40s in New York, and she um, was a very troubled person. Uh, Early marriage, uh, the husband just disappeared. Nobody ever knew what really happened to him. She contracted an illness. She had syphilis. Syphilis. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, she remarries this guy, played by Hugh Grant, who just loves her and will do anything for her. But he's kind of a butler, not really a husband.
1: Yeah, I I didn't know initially if... Were they really married, or did he just work for her?
0: Well, that's initially when you watch that film, and then you realize, because they reveal it, that they're married, but they live separately, Mm -hmm. and he has a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And and then that's all we'll say. But also, she gives a lot to society. She's loves music, loves opera, loves the classics. Can't sing a lick, but gets up and sings all the time. And because she donates so much money, everybody just kind of overlooks it. Or her friends can't hear anything because they're, <laughs> they're all, all hearing, hearing <laughs> impaired in the front row. And and what's interesting about this film is they they he just helps her career. Whatever she wants, he'll do. He'll serve her, and he kisses her good night, and then goes home to her, his apartment every night. And so. I can be really judgmental about the film and about their marriage and why all that's going on, but I decided just to pull my judgment out and take this film for what it is. This is a socialite who kind of ran a ruse about her own life for all these years, but she was earnest, Mm -hmm. and at one point said, I want to play Carnegie Hall, so rented it out because she could afford it, gave a thousand tickets to troops in World War II to cheer them up, and packed it out, and everybody came, including the critics, and... And you have to see this concert, because Meryl Streep literally walked out on stage and sang every song off-key, just like Florence (laughs) Foster Jenkins. So all that recreation in the movie is actually true. Mm -hmm. And... I don't know about you, Haley, but I felt a sense of uh, joy and giggleness to it, and then a complete sense of melancholy. Oh,
1: there was such a sadness to it. But there's also, a, you you do kind of have to giggle.
0: You do have to giggle. Well,
1: and I think because Meryl Streep, in reality, has a really good voice. She's a great singer.
0: She is a great singer. I and mean, she's played on Broadway, and she, yeah. I mean, she sang in music. She's yeah. into the woods. But but at the same time, I think it's probably, we've seen a lot of interviews with her about that, how difficult it is to sing off-key and to sing well off-key. So, making this movie with such a good director, but it's a real intimate little film. And there's a third person in this film. Uh, Simon, what's his name? Simon Helberg? Mm-hmm. Um, um, yes, mm-hmm. Simon Helberg's the actor who plays, what's his, I forget his name.
1: Cos, Cos the he, piano player. <laughs> yeah, they hire a piano player
0: <laughs> who takes himself seriously. And the first time he plays for her and she sings completely off key, it's hilarious. <laughs> And you, you you kind of see the movie through his eyes. I think mm-hmm. the whole movie is actually through his eyes. And he's a great lawyer. You know, he's on The Big Bang Theory.
1: Okay. That's the that TV guy. show he's yeah, on. But yeah, I've yeah.
0: never, he's been in a few small parts in films. He was in a Coen Brothers movie and a few other things. But always small parts. This is, I think, going to change his life. Because he's the one, between Hugh Grant and Meryl Streep, who are both great in this film. Um, he's the one that kind of jumps off the screen. I think a lot because we haven't seen him and he's really good and he's in it a lot. Mm -hmm. That piano player is a really important part of this movie. So I I really loved watching this film. And also the more I think about Florence Foster Jenkins, the more I like the film Mm -hmm. and the more melancholy I get. Mm -hmm. Because to live your life thinking you could really sing great and you paid everybody or her husband, paid everyone around them to say you're great, is really kind of living a lie. But I have to step back and be nonjudgmental about that. And just take it for what it is. But there's a sense of melancholy and sadness about that.
1: But there's also a sense of, you have to wonder what her awareness really was. Because it did look like the Hugh Grant character mm-hmm. actually kind of buffered everything. So that she did l- l- have an opportunity to lead a very happy life and and put herself out there. And... and you kind of wonder, like I know I can't sing a lick. I've been told my entire life I'm tone deaf. I still try to sing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do.
0: Yes, you do. And, and I love the, you for it.
1: And there's there's a joy to that.
0: Hugh <laughs> <laughs> Grant's really good in this movie. He's great. So I'm thinking I'm thinking the whole time while I'm watching this movie. She's drinking champagne.
1: Well, I mean, that's like wrong? the most obvious. Okay. What, what else would a society girl who did so much for so many others, um, because of her love of art and love of music, her her undying love of music, I think that's really, like, it's not just art, it's music. Um but a celebrated champagne that um, will make you forget that Florence does sing a little bit off-key. Thought I'd pair this with the Grand Dame of all champagne, Veuve Clicquot's uh, La Grand Dame Brut Rosé. Nice. I mean, can you, can you get any better than the the pinnacle, especially in, in the Brut Rosé, because I always love a good rosé? I'm paying homage to the um, great Madame Clicquot. Who pretty much I would say some people say Dom Perignon is the the one who I mean he quote unquote discovered he did discover um, the the stars in his glass by by seeing that that wine could ferment and create um, the bubbles in in champagne but Madame Clicot figured out how to get all of the yeast basically out of the bottle she was kind of credited as 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 Figuring out how to create the riddling rack and how why you want to actually riddle your or, um, rumage, which is the French term, to to turn the bottles very very slowly after they have been aged, um, to create the the second fermentation in the bottle, which is classic method champagne, traditional um, method of of aging champagne. To then, how do you get the yeasts that have added all that flavor and texture and and everything. How do you actually get that out of out of the bottle so you don't drink that? And that's through the rumage process, and that's by turning your bottles very slowly on a slant to to gather all of that yeast at the top of the bottle that you then remove and cork and and, and send on its way.
0: Do you think so. they ever met? Were they? Around, what, what's the time period for Madame Coco?
1: Oh, this is like seven or eighteen hundred. Okay, so yeah, yeah okay, so that's weird. No, that that's, that would. They're at least hundred <laughs> years, years off, probably. But, um, and I, the the Grand Dam Brut Rosé in particular is just. I mean, it's it's one of the most celebrated wines in the world. By the it's, way, this
0: happens a lot in our home. I ask really dumb no, questions that have to do with wine and spirits.
1: <laughs> yeah, she was eighteen sixteen, so they're about a hundred and thirty yeah. years. Yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. She, um, yeah. So, but that's a good idea. No,
0: but I think that's a, I think that's a great pairing because I, I you know, she comes out. Florence Foster Jenkins comes out dressed as an angel, and they lower her from the ceiling. She was in all these kind of pageant and tableaux.
1: Oh, lots of lots of they, adornments that
0: they did back then with you know with everybody. And I, I, I she find had a
1: tiara on at every like every she's minute. So ornate,
0: <laughs> and and she's so. I, I want to say she's proper and then she's not, she's, uh. but, but loved music. So, I mean, you know you, you have to admire somebody. I mean, I, I think of, of um, Madame Cucco, that, that that would last throughout all of this, these centuries and yeah. that that would last through all of this time.
1: I mean, to this day, a bottle of, of the Grand Bru Rosé is, is pretty much one of the finest champagnes that you'll ever drink.
0: Well, if I'm in a store and I, I want to get a bottle of bubbly— I mean, there's so many. I've learned a lot of options for you from all over the world, uh, from the Champenois Method, Method Champagne, <laughs> and, and and so I, I look for that. But I also I'll go I'll look I'll go to Vivico because for the right price I can always get it on the, on, yeah, on just the a entry label level.
1: Everyone loves it's, it's so good. It's it's always consistent. You always know what you're going to get. Um, you can find it. Anywhere from thirty to forty-five ish dollars, depending upon what store you're in. Um, the the Grand Dame's a little more expensive. That one's about you know two fifty or three hundred. Two
0: fifty, three hundred.
1: But but if you ever get your your hands on one, it's so worth
0: it. <laughs> someday I'll have to tell you the story of hanging out in the hallway at the Ritz Carlton in Marina Del Rey, drinking Cristal out of um, bad Dixie cups with Snoop Dogg.
1: Well, I think you need to finish that. Well, well, we'll do that at some point. We come back on A
0: Perfect Parent. Uh, some questions for each other. might even be that one. Questions about wine and um, obviously about film. Don't go away. We will be right back. Nice to have you back on a perfect pairing, or we call it wine and, and film, film. A perfect pairing.
1: We like both.
0: Okay, do you have a question for well, me? Well,
1: you you opened the door, so now you have to walk on through it. So you and, and Snoop Dogg <laughs> drinking crystal out of out of bad paper cups.
0: Snoop Dogg was in that movie with Will Ferrell and Luke Wilson. Um, what's the one where he runs through the quad naked? <laughs>
1: That's that's like the bad
0: moms movie. Kind of like that's, the bad moms, where they all go back to school and yeah. join the fraternity. Old school. It's yeah. called old school. So Snoop Dogg's in there because he sings at the party in the back of the house. So I'm interviewing the cast and I'm in at Marina Del Rey. I'm hanging in the lobby of the Ritz-Carlton and I go down into the the bottom of the of the hotel and there's a long hallway. And Snoop's got about five guys, half of them have clocks around their necks and <laughs> bling everywhere. And they're sitting on the floor literally with Dixie cups and three or four empty bottles of Cristal, which if you order a bottle of Cristal at a Ritz-Carlton, it's going to cost you a lot. Oh, yeah. And they're laughing, and they're looking at me, and they hand me a Dixie cup and pour it and say, when you go and say hi to Snoop, said we're sending all this to his room. So all his peeps are, and they order two more bottles while I was sitting there. (laughs) It's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. They're on their fifth bottle. And so they pour me a little bit. I walk into the room, and I sit, and Snoop's laughing, and I say, all your— you know, all your peeps outside are sending the bill to your room, and he goes, I know. Isn't that great? <laughs> and we stand up and hug and toast um, Cristal.
1: That's awesome. With Snoop Dogg. That's
0: awesome. I love Snoop Dogg. I'm, I'm yeah. like I'm like a big fan of, the, of the Snooper.
1: That's great. That's let, great. Let
0: me ask you about uh, when you say second fermentation mm-hmm. in in a bottle of champagne with the, on the original mm-hmm. method. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by second fermentation?
1: Well, and I think that that's where there's a lot what of. Why does it take two? Well, you have the the regular fermentation, and then you have the second fermentation that takes place in the bottle. That that's what creates the bubbles. Okay. And so there are different there are different methods to to actually make the bubbles in champagne. You have the the wine goes through kind of the initial fermentation, like every wine goes through. Um, and then, in order to create bubbles, there are different ways to make that happen. You could do uh, the Charmant method, which is is done in a tank, or you can do it um, with the traditional method or method Champagne, like they do in Champagne, where um, you basically the the yeast you add a, a yeast to the bottles after the wines after the, the fermented juice has gone into a bottle. And then you add a little bit of yeast, and that, um, and then you put kind of like a, a soda pop cap on top, and then you let them sit and they age. Oh, you do, you're not
0: corking it then? No,
1: no, no, no. That's the whole. Then when you go through Ramage yeah. and you take all of the the dead yeast cells out after you've created the after that second fermentation has happened, and and. Then you actually go in and you add a little bit of, of the dosage, which is a little kind of sugared water syrup mm-hmm. um, to just adjust the sweetness or the flavor. And then you put the cork on and then you put it in the bottling line. It's, it's like a, chemi- it it's a chemical
0: it's, right? reaction. Oh,
1: and, and everything, it's chemistry. About, everything about wine is chemistry. I think that that's what so many people kind of forget is that you have this very um, romantic um, beautiful you know so many people think that, that making wine is just this oh it's, it's lovely but you have to have both a, a farmer mentality and a, and a chemistry brain in order to, to make all of the parts work together, which is fascinating. I think. So in,
0: so in history when those, say you know 200 years ago and they're making champagne in champagne. Mm-hmm. Um, is somebody by hand going in and turning every one of those bottles? Every? That's
1: that's what Madame Clico figured out how to Sheesh.
0: do. And you have, to, but they had to do everyone by, and they it. still do it yes. a lot of it. A lot hand. of
1: and and fast, like so you have a thousand of these, bottles
0: against the wall, and you
1: and you basically every day turn it like half a click. You don't, every
0: day like a quarter of a turn. Yeah,
1: not even that much probably. Like maybe an eighth, because you're you're slowly gathering all of that dead all those dead yeast cells into the the neck of yeah. the bottle so that it can be removed to then be
0: corked. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's high maintenance.
1: It, well, it, making champagne, I think that's why, of anything, champagne and sparkling wine are some of the the more expensive options out there. Um, I will say, though, though I'm talking great, <laughs> this is almost terrible to put the two in the same um sentence, but mm-hmm. a really, really great bang for your buck bubble, traditional method. I've, I, it, I've been a fan for years. I, I visited the region. I did an assemblage to actually make my own sparkling wine. It was the, the Sigurviudis uh, Cava trip that um, it's Sigurviudis from the Penedès region of Spain, land of Cava traditional method, second fermentation, takes place in the bottle. It is a $10 bottle of Cava, Spain sparkling wine. And bang for your buck for traditional method, it's great. It does make you wonder like, because a lot of it, you know, they still have the same gentleman that's worked for them for over 40 years that kind of manages the whole riddling process. Now it's done electronically, which is how they can do it so affordably. Mm-hmm. But it's fun. Fascinating, like that. Like that, it can be so. It can it can be so inexpensive, really good, and and still maintain this kind of quality.
0: Yeah, we can get a case of that for like a hundred. I know it's 120 great twenty <laughs> bucks. I know.
1: So you were telling me a story the other day that I loved about what? your first meeting uh, with Meryl Streep. Oh, tell me a little bit more about that. So,
0: Corinne, um, oldest daughter, who's twenty eight now, um, was about to be a year old. And so I, my career was just starting. I was in New York, and I'm interviewing Meryl Streep for the first time, and I'm intimidated because I love Meryl Streep. And I, you know, though it's all about the work. It's it's not about how famous you are. It's about the work. And Meryl is amazing. So I'm interviewing her for um, Fred Skepsi's film, Cry in the Dark. Light ate ate my, my baby. baby. Dingo ate my baby. <laughs> One of her Oscar-nominated films and a great film. And we ended up working on Words and Pictures with Fred Skepsi. And so it's her and Sam Neill. And I I I. Corinne would go to bed at night and the only thing that would help her go to sleep at night was listening to a cassette recording of The Velveteen Rabbit narrated by Meryl Streep, the great book. For some reason, uh, rather than putting her on a car seat on a dryer, you know, and making her, (laughs) trying to get her to go to sleep at two in the morning, it was a cassette recording of Meryl Streep's voice. And so I find a first edition, hardbound copy of the, Of the book, and I I take it in and I put it under the chair. And I don't know if Meryl Streep's going to be my buddy, my pal, my friend, or be difficult like Tommy Lee Jones. And she's like a 10-year-old giggly girl amazed that I would even want to talk to her. Uh It's a beautiful thing. We have this great interview about a very difficult film, and at the end I pull the book out and I, you know, it's your voice. My daughter will be uh, a year old in two weeks. Would you, could you? And she starts crying. Tears coming down. She, I hand her the book. She opens it up and writes, Dear Corinne, on your very first birthday, blah, 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 love Meryl Streep. And I just bawled like a baby. <laughs> I'm the greatest dad in the history of dads. And eventually <laughs> gave fantastic. that book to her with a stack of Meryl Streep movies and on DVD and sent her off to college and said, If you want to know what acting feels like and smells like and breathes like and tastes like and looks like, sounds like, watch these movies. Yeah. And this is your book forever. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a cool thing. And I've, I'm, I'm, in, I'm infatuated with her ever since because that is a great. That's the greatest actress of my generation, and I think the greatest actress of all time. Obviously, the most Oscar nominated.
1: Yeah, how many Oscar nominated? No, nominated. I, I
0: lost count, but I think it's sixteen. Yeah, yeah, and I think you she's won, of, She's won four, maybe. It's, it's five. amazing
1: when when you. I feel bad for other actresses sometimes when Meryl Streep has a film that year because <laughs> you kind of. She's such a shoe in usually to get a nomination. Well, she took a
0: year off being nominated last year.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think. yeah. Well, yeah. The Suffragette film wasn't.
0: Yeah, it's not a great film. Do you think she would get nominated for Florence Foster Jenkins if the Oscars were today?
1: I don't. Well, I think in comparison to some of the other things maybe out this year, but I I think that it's a great performance, and I think she is all in. And there's such a. I think the beauty of what she does is she really can transform herself into her characters. I think sometimes you see some actors and you still know, oh that's so and so playing, you know, oh that's Ben Affleck playing Batman. Um she she becomes you you forget that that's Meryl Streep and I think that that's a sign of a great
0: actor. I saw, when I saw her in The Deer Hunter years ago, she I think she won the Oscar supporting actress way back then. I had no idea who she was. I thought that was like a real person mm-hmm. playing in a movie. Mm-hmm. And then you see her in The French Lieutenant's Woman and then you see I think the greatest female actress in the history of movies is her performance in Sophie's Choice, Mm. a movie I can't watch for fun because it hurts so so much. But but man, that is a great that is trans, and she does languages. Yeah, she does accents, and then she sings in Into the Woods, and she's great. You know, I didn't. And
1: that what was the film with um, Anthony Hopkins that's just so hard? Remains
0: of the Day. Oh no! Oh, the hard one. Um, You mean, with her.
1: Yes. Where they she sings that, I'm your pal, yes we're, oh, uh, and it's just so heart Iron Ironweed. Yeah. It's called
0: Ironweed, where they're both homeless. Or yeah. Jack Nicholson. Oh Jack
1: Nicholson, sorry. Yes. Yeah. where they're
0: both homeless. It's oh, brilliant if you can get through it and oh, watch it. It's yeah. just so hard. Yeah. It's so about, good though. Isn't no that fun? Talking about Champagne and the Great <laughs> Meryl Streep. That all works for me, and he even threw in a cava. Isn't that isn't that kind of fun? Yeah. Hey, um, I just want to say that uh, next week um, we're going to talk about the remake of the biblical chariot race epic movie Ben Hur. The original was with Charlton Heston. I have no idea who's starring in this one. And a close look at the new made in Texas thriller starring Chris Pine and Oscar winner Jeff Bridges it's getting great reviews. We'll talk about that one next week as well. Ben Hur and Hell or High Water. <laughs>
1: For more info on any of the wines or films we talked about today, please check out our blog on our website. Follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill, And to see what we're drinking now, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas & Court.
0: And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, and as usual, I'm looking for the next great film.
1: I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine.
0: Join us next time on Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing.